Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and this is Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. We continue our series today, Making the Most of Your Salvation, with a message entitled, Knowing Your Justification. So turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, as we join Dr. Newfeld now. I have for some time now been fascinated by an organization in the U.S. It's called the Innocence Project. It was founded by two high-profile American lawyers, Peter Neufeld and Barry Sheck. Both men became alarmed at what they perceived to have been the wrongful imprisonment of many. You know, in the U.S., 98% of those charged are convicted, and in many cases, the innocent have served over 30 years in prison for a crime they didn't commit. So using primarily DNA testing, they prove the innocence of a great many people who have been wrongly convicted. Their website lists 377 cases of whom they were able to prove innocence. So the Innocence Project claims their mission is to free the staggering number of innocent people who remain incarcerated and to bring reform to the system responsible for their unjust imprisonment. You know, furthermore, the Innocence Project has highlighted certain weaknesses in the justice system that often serves to wrongfully convict the innocent. And here they highlight such bad methods to obtain convictions such as you know, the use of jailhouse informants, false confessions after extensive and intimidating interrogations. Some also have received an inadequate defense. They speak of the failure to recognize how easily eyewitnesses can either misidentify a suspect or be subtly pressured to identify a suspect. You know, many times forensic science has been misused so that it's not objective at all, but rather is made to be biased against the person who's being charged. And all these unjust methods need to be challenged so that the innocent are not convicted. It's a matter of justice. And just as a side note, there is a Canadian version of this. It's called Innocence Canada, which helped to exonerate 23 innocent people since 1993. The most famous case is the case of David Milgard, who was falsely accused of murdering a nurse, Gail Miller. And Gail Miller had been murdered by a serial rapist, Larry Fisher. But Milgard spent 23 years in prison for that crime another man committed. Now, it is true. Human systems of justice are prone to mistakes and to sins and to pressure to wrap up a case and to move on. But that's not the case with God's system of justice. See, God takes no shortcuts. God never omits evidence. God never procures an illegal testimony. God never has tunnel vision so that he ignores relevant evidence. God never condemns the innocent. But here's a sobering conclusion from God's objective and exhaustive search into every single human life. Romans 3 verse 10 says, none is righteous, no, not one. There can be no innocence project to challenge God's righteousness for no later DNA evidence will prove us innocent after all. God's righteousness and his law have been violated by all. We've offended perfect and everlasting holiness. Our guilt has become apparent. It's been objectively proved, and all the evidence has been presented and rightfully scrutinized. Let me stop at this point and remind you of the series that I have begun. It's called Making the Most of Your Salvation. I've used the example of computer technology, and I know that I'm not making the most of the technology that I have available to me, that is, on my laptop or in my phone or in my car, but that is my illustration of a much greater issue. 
A great many Christians are not availing themselves of all the advantages of their own salvation. And so I've already talked about three important issues. First, election. Second, imputation. And third, regeneration. And today, I open up a fourth app, if you will, an important truth about our salvation that we ought to explore and understand how important this is to our ongoing spiritual life. So today I'm talking about justification. Now, if you've been justified, you've been declared innocent. Declared innocent by whom? Well, the answer is by God. To be justified is to be in a court of law and have the jury rise to their feet and say the words, not guilty. But of course, in this case, it's a trial by judge, and the judge is the altogether righteous God. His gavel has come down, and he has said to all who are justified, not guilty. You know, I normally in these messages don't include extensive quotes, but I feel I must quote John Murray in his work, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. Murray is comparing regeneration to justification, and if you've been listening to this series, you might remember that I called regeneration getting a heart transplant. You know, it means that our hearts are changed so that we are now prone to love God and keep his word. It's a great benefit to our salvation. But justification is something very different. At any rate, listen to Murray. He says, regeneration is an act of God in us. Justification is a judgment of God with respect to us. The distinction is like that of the distinction between the act of a surgeon and the act of a judge. The surgeon, when he removes an inward cancer, does something in us. That's not what a judge does. He gives a verdict regarding our judicial status. And then Murray goes on to say the purity of the gospel is bound up with the recognition of this distinction. If justification is confused with regeneration or sanctification, then the door is opened for the perversion of the gospel at its center. That is, when we're talking about justification, we're not talking about a change in our internal nature. That's regeneration, not justification. Justification is about our legal standing before God. Let me put it this way. You know, a great many of us judge our spiritual life by how we feel about ourselves on the inside. And this internal subjective measure of ourselves has for many of us been the way in which we judge how we're doing. So I hope you see, rather than allowing God to be the judge, we have inadvertently become the judge of our own spiritual well-being. Now, just a thought regarding this. Some of us, because of a more introspective and sensitive nature, are far more easily prone to feelings of deep internal guilt. Others are much less so, but in either case, your own evaluation of yourself is not the issue. What judge ever asks a defendant whether he or she feels guilty? I mean, guilt feelings are not the same as judicial guilt. Judicial guilt is objective guilt, proven in a court of law. But it's true that our perfect and objective judge has already declared that none is righteous. How can he justify us? Proverbs 17 verse 15 says, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. That's to say, God can't just exonerate a guilty man. You know, does God have blinders on? Of course not. Is his courtroom a courtroom of abomination? Certainly not. So let's back up and let's see if we can define the word justification or to justify. 
You know, in the English, the word to justify and the word righteousness, well, those are different words. But in the Greek, the noun justification and the word for righteousness sound very similar. So you can easily see that they have the same root. And so to justify is the act of pronouncing someone to be righteous. It's the act of acquittal. It's the act of acquitting someone from guilt. Or to put it another way, justification is the opposite of condemnation. And so from the outset, as I've stated, justification is a forensic term. It's a legal term. Never confuse it with feelings. I mean, that's for psychiatrists' couches. This is a matter for judges. Listen to an example from the Old Testament law, Deuteronomy 25, verse 1. It says, if there is a dispute between men and they come into court and the judge decides between them acquitting the innocent and condemning the guilty. You see, that's what happens in righteous law courts. The innocent are acquitted and the guilty are condemned. Well, very well. I'm trying to make the case that justification is forensic. It's about legality. And that's how the Bible uses the word. And a great example of that is found in in Luke 7, 29, which says, when all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just. Well, a literal translation would say, when the people heard this, they justified God. So what did the people do? Well, they declared God righteous. Justification is a declaration of righteousness. So it's now time to consider the heart of the gospel, and that comes to us from Romans 4, 4 to 5. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who, listen to this, justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. That is, the person who is justified by faith does not believe he or she has anything to offer to God. Rather, that person believes that all he or she has done is unworthy of any reward at all. God, that person concludes, owes him or her nothing. But they believe in a God who justifies the ungodly. Now, of course, we know that this acquittal has occurred because our guilt was put onto Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for us, and that's the heart of the gospel. But what is it about this that's like a software app that we might never use to our own advantage, but that we should. Hang on, I'll tell you. One of our listeners wrote, we believe that Back to the Bible Canada is at the beginning of something groundbreaking in Canada. God is and will use you in an amazing way. Well, messages like this are so encouraging and eye-opening. God is at work and the gospel is being heard across this entire country. Back to the Bible Canada programming is broadcast from Vancouver Island to Prince Edward Island on 98 facilities with some 2,652 releases of programming every week. With God's blessing, people of every age and background are being impacted through faithful Bible teaching. Back to the Bible Canada's mission is to promote spiritual growth and lead people into a growing and dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. Find out how you can join us in this mission by visiting Back to the Bible Canada or by giving us a call at 1-800-663-2425. 
The heart of the gospel is that God declares ungodly, unrighteous sinners now to be righteous by faith in Christ. Romans 3.28 says, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. You know, in my own words, we hold it is a central article of our faith, that we are exonerated in God's courtroom or we are declared innocent in God's courtroom, not by keeping God's commands, but rather we're declared innocent by faith in Jesus Christ and on the basis of his finished work on the cross. That's the heart of the gospel. Christ was crucified for us, and in response, we who believe in him have been declared not guilty. Okay, that's the biblical doctrine of justification by faith. We trust in Christ's death on our behalf, and we are therefore declared innocent through Christ's finished work on the cross. Now, most Christians know this, so what's the app that we're not using? Let me suggest three important benefits to the doctrine of justification, benefits that you might not have yet applied to yourself. Here now is the first, and it's found in Romans 8, 33 to 34. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? So I hope you see the question, who can condemn? If God has already exonerated us in his law court through Christ, therefore, any other condemnation is sure to fail. So let's stop and consider this matter carefully. I have a memory being asked to teach a class on the book of Galatians. It was taught to a group of Bible college students in Germany. We were then discussing Galatians 2, 15 to 16. Let me read it. It says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Now, in order to introduce that subject matter, I then asked my students whether or not, if a Christian sinned grievously, might God then punish them for that? And without a hesitation, one young man in the back of my class, I mean, he sat near the back, he immediately said, yes, sometimes God does punish us because he has to. So I'm afraid I might have abused that young man a bit after that, but I asked him to stand up, and he did. And then I said, you know, you have the pulpit, young man. Explain to this class why Christ died. Was he punished for our sins, yes or no? Well, he looked like he had walked into a horrible trap and there was no way out, but I was not quick to let him go. I asked whether he had already been punished for us. And he looked like he desperately wanted to sit down, but I I wanted him to know how by saying that Christians could be punished for some of their sins, that to say that was to dishonor and to slander and to make nothing out of the cross of Jesus. And then, of course, I let him sit down, much to his relief. But here's my point. There are some Christians who go through life feeling guilty before God. Well, were you justified or not? You know, even my own father, while he was on his deathbed, and his death was taking longer than he thought it should, he complained to me once, and perhaps he said, God is yet punishing me for a sin in this suffering before my death. And I was put in that awkward position of gently reminding my own dad, that all his punishment was already borne by his Savior. And there was no time now to question the finished work of the cross. No, he had been before God's bar of justice already, and he had been fully acquitted by Christ. You know, there are some who will argue that this kind of view 
will cause believers to become careless around their own sins. They'll say, look, since we know that all our sins are forgiven, past sins, present sins, future sins, I mean, won't that attitude make people cavalier about sinning? And my response to that is simple. Look, you're confusing regeneration and from that sanctification with justification. If you're truly born again, as I pointed out before, you've received a heart transplant. The only person who can be cavalier about the matter of sin is someone who hasn't been born again, someone who still has that old heart, that dead and unresponsive heart toward God. And by the way, that's why, you know, in my many years as a pastor, and now preaching the gospel in the way that I am, I have never felt the need to beat up Christians over sin. I remind them of the need for holiness and purity, and those who are born again already desire that very thing. They say, tell us more. See, justification follows our regeneration. Justification, well, that's a declaration that we're not guilty in Christ. All your guilt has been removed. You await no punishment. If you're born again and feel that God is angry with you, or if you still struggle under the guilt of a sin that you've committed, hear me now. You need to understand that you were exonerated. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you're going to a church that preaches guilt as the motivation for Christian living, then pray that your pastor learns the doctrine of justification. And if you personally live on guilt, you need to feed on the doctrine of justification. You need to walk in freedom, no condemnation at all, no guilt, no fear of punishment, no niggling feeling that God might not be on your side. Rather, lift up your head in freedom and say, I have already been to God's courtroom long before the final day of judgment has arrived. I've been before the courtroom of God, and he has pronounced me innocent of all charges in Christ Jesus. Freedom from sin and from guilt, it's a wonderful fruit of the gospel. I mean, how many psychiatrist couches are filled because of ongoing guilt? But ours, who have come to believe in Christ, our guilt is rolled away because Christ became our sin-bearer and our guilt-bearer. Well, what other benefit is there in the doctrine of justification? Well, second, the doctrine of justification by faith reminds us that there is nothing we have to do for God. Look at Galatians 3, 1 to 5. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? In short, do you think that God's blessing depend on your efforts? See, I think many Christians assume it does. They assume they render service to God. God requires me, they think, to do my daily devotion. So by doing them, I'm doing something for God and I'm earning a blessing. I even know of pastors who are in ministry in order to gain God's favor. You know, some missionaries do that. Some people are on an endless quest for more service, more sacrifice, greater giving, and so forth, all to gain some standing before God. So hear the good news. You can stop now 
As Paul said in Acts 17.25, God is not served by human hands as though he needed anything. Again, as before, some people worry that if we talk this way, look, if we say this, people will stop giving, they'll stop serving, and they'll stop sacrificing. Maybe we need to beat them up with guilt. My response is simple. We're declared righteous in our justification. Our standing before God was purchased by what Christ has accomplished and has nothing at all to do with what we accomplish. Stop your striving. Relax. And thank God for what he has accomplished for you. Now, there's a third advantage that we need to access in our justification. You can finally give up your pride. You can become humble. There are no varying degrees of justification. One man or one woman can't be more justified than the other. Romans 3, 23 to 24 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. So how are we justified? By his grace as a gift. Grace, as you should know, is unmerited favor. Grace is something you can earn. It's not something you're good at. I know there are some who talk about having attained a greater state of grace. But that's an internal contradiction. It's like saying, I've earned something that can't be earned. See, you can't earn a state of grace. You receive grace as a gift. And that little truth puts a lie to all human pride, all human boasting. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works so that anyone may boast. You know, the only thing that we're left to boast in is what God has accomplished in Christ Jesus for us. You know, we boast about the gift we have received, not what we have achieved. We boast about the one who loved us in the cross and saved us, in the gospel that was proclaimed to us, and in the Holy Spirit who drew us. The old hymn writer said it well, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Thanks so much, John. And and just one question. Why do you think guilt is such a poor motivator toward a life of holiness? Well, it's because we always get moved towards a works theology, Ben. That's, you know, that's that's the problem with, um, you know, with using guilt because then we respond and say, well, I just got to do better. And then when we think, you know, what does better involve? So it's constantly works related. The doctrine of justification undercuts all of that. It tells us, yeah, it's true that we didn't measure up, but Christ's death on the cross has atoned for and paid for our sins. We need to trumpet that louder. Thanks, John. And remember to join us again tomorrow as we continue our series, Making the Most of Your Salvation, right here on Back to the Bible Canada, Bible teaching you can trust. Last year, I've taken the opportunity to author a new book entitled Making the Most of Your Salvation. You know, in this day and age, I can't imagine a more important topic as it provides insight into the essential benefits of your salvation and in so doing provides a message of hope and joy so needed in challenging days. I think it's true to say that many of us walk through our daily journey with Christ uncertain of really all that he's done for us through his death and resurrection. You know, we question and we struggle because we don't understand the breadth of what Jesus has provided for his people. 
10 key benefits I'll share, including our adoption, the Holy Spirit, and our assurance. I want you to know all that your salvation provides. So for the month of February, Back to the Bible Canada is offering to send you my new book, Making the Most of Your Salvation for Free, just for asking. So request your copy today by calling 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca.